Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast, Thinking About Your Events Like a Startup with Liz King Caruso. I'm your host, Tim Woodring. Event formats have come to the forefront in a world defined by the term, the new normal. Event professionals have new capabilities, attendees have new preferences, and new event formats are emerging with the ongoing use of virtual events and the emergence of hybrid events. With all of that, the process of change within events is still difficult, and we'll discuss that in today's podcast. In this episode, we'll get specific in approaching reimagining your events and how the idea of thinking about your events like a startup with the agility and prototyping of minimum viable products is a great way into innovating within your events portfolio. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation and the insight into change that it provides. So now, here's the main event. Alrighty, I am so excited to be on the line with Liz King Caruso here. Uh, she is the CEO of Taxi Talk and founder of the Taxi Talk Community and Collaborative, which is an amazing community of event professionals, meeting planners, things like that that just want to learn about what's happening uh, from an objective, collaborative community space. She's also the owner of Liz King Events which does corporate events, events of all sizes. And so she's got a ton of experience in meeting planning, but also has a unique spirit that she brings to community building as well. So I'm so excited to have you on the show, Liz. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So excited for this conversation. Yeah. So we've been chatting and we've done a couple events together, one with Event Leaders Institute for their live summit. And then also I was part of a showcase that was in the Taxi Talk showcase space. It was a lot of fun. You know, just what you've done with the community there, uh, where I think it's kind of like broken down some of the promotional hogwash of it and just said, let's let's talk real, you know, and that's who you are. Yeah, sure. The community is built as a planner for other planners. And, and yes, we have other people in the community, but I think that has helped me to have a unique perspective on like what is actually valuable. I've sat yeah. through a billion tech demos and I've sat through a billion educational events. It's like the planner wants certain pieces of information. Just give me the pieces of information. So these showcases that you guys participated in, it's like yes. minutes, all of our conference sessions are like conversational. You know, I know people want to ask questions. They want to get into the meat. They don't necessarily want to see a bunch of slides. So, yep. you know, I think that helps just knowing what I would want. That's really everything that I've built around Taxi Talk is like something I would like to learn about from yeah. someone I'd like to learn about and everyone's welcome to join. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like com conversations that, that, you know, event professionals wish that they could be a part of and now have come to reality through your community. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when we think about Q1 to Q2 of last year, I think 75% of the conversations we were talking with clients about was like, what are the platforms out there? What are the best platforms? And there, I don't think that there was a good way of having those conversations because you either had to get demos set up with each of the platform providers, you know, or ask for, and there weren't really best practices really established. And so in talking with you, you guys were doing hybrid events in, in 2018 with Sexy Talk. Um, and even before then, yeah, yeah, we've been doing hybrid and, and virtual only for yeah. 10 years at this point. So we're yeah. so excited that everyone is finally excited about this concept. Um, but even that we're learning a lot because it, when the entire world goes virtual <laughs> and starts thinking yes. about hybrid as a way back, everything changes. You and I were talking a little bit earlier about attendee 
or just human behavior has changed dramatically. Absolutely. And so what you expect from a virtual event or, and the other thing is now there's a lot of money and interest in virtual technology, which means these companies are a lot better. <laughs> so what we're doing in 2010 is nothing like what we can do today for our attendees. So we're learning a lot too. It's, it's been a crazy journey, but it's, it's exciting to see, like, I've always felt there's so much potential here. So to feel like other people are starting to get it is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I love about your community is that, you know, event planners do need a collaborative space to talk about things. And one of the things I've seen in the industry as a whole is that oftentimes with these larger industry events, we talk about things in general because they want to bring in a larger audience. And a lot of them has, have been put on from platform providers. So it's, it's kind of a a self-serving promotional event in which yeah. people can really experience the platform and things related to the industry, but then also, you know, they want to, they want to bring in a wide audience. And so we ended up talking about events in these large categories, like it's, is it hybrid or is it in-person or virtual, you know, which is, I, I've likened the idea of like, is it America, Africa, or Asia? You know, yeah. it's like these huge categories of events that we talk about always in general. Mm. And, and with that, I feel like one of the, the missed things is that we can't really dial into any specific vertical of, of people or of roles or industries because it kind of stays on this general playing field. But with that, you know, I feel like you have a very attuned attention to the meeting planner and corporate events. And so I'm curious, you know, if there are these kind of echo chambers with tech conversations and things like that, what are you hearing from uh, corporate event planners as far as what's real to them, not necessarily to the industry or what people want it to be? What's, what's real to the meeting planner? Yeah. And, and even that question is hard, right? Because yeah. every meeting planner has different things that they're right. You could have B2C events, B2B <laughs> events. Yeah. And, and every person is so different, right? Um, yeah. I love technology. So I'm very open to virtual platforms and hybrid and all this cool stuff. I like to talk about it. I like to learn about it. There are obviously so many planners in the industry who are really scared and overwhelmed and don't really know, and they would much rather go back to what they were doing. And so you're playing with all those personality types, as well as the types of events they service, the kinds of companies that they work with and for, it's, it's just really complex. And I would imagine that's why a lot of the larger events are not very specific. And it does cause the issue that you're talking about, which is these echo chambers and, and, you know, like clubhouse, for example, I was on it all the time. Now, if I go on, I don't see a single event conversation because for a while it was the exact same topic mm. every single day by different people. Everyone was doing, it was different groups of people, but everyone was talking about the exact same thing, hybrid events. What does it look like? What, you know, yeah. and it got boring. And so I, along with pretty much everyone else, it looks like jumped yeah. off of it. It's just an abandoned um, desert town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I, I'm hearing a lot from corporate in-house corporate event planners that there's a lot of interest in technology. They see what's happened over the last year. Yeah. I hear there's a lot of pushback from their bosses and other people that they're going back to the way things were, whether or not the planner really wants to do that. Um, in some cases, it makes perfect sense because for example, you know, an incentive trip is not a great replacement. You know, you can't really replace that a virtual, just make yeah. it amazing. Yeah, it totally. Uh, you may not incentivize your sales teams in the same way when it's completely in 
virtual or even hybrid um, or internal meetings. So depending on the type of event, it makes sense that a lot of people are kind of going back to in-person as they can. And they're very excited about that. And then I think there's just this pressure from organizations to innovate, try new things, but at the same time, keep your budgets the same, keep your teams the same. And so I, I hear that a lot too. Like I see all these great things that we could be doing. I'm pitching them to our team. They don't want to do any of it because it's too expensive. It's more people. It's harder. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. And a lot of the planners might not be the ones who are really like pushing for that either because it's harder for them too. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so even if you could say there's a great business case for it, I think there's a lot of tension between what you've been doing and what you could do and finding some kind of balance between those two extremes. And then, you know, these conversations, I think they happen amongst colleagues. You're talking to other planners and they're doing similar events and you're complaining to each other and and problem solving together. But you're right. I mean, I think it's very hard to have those very granular conversations. And the other thing is, uh, like attention, (laughs) it's really hard to get people's attention. If you're going to hold an event, even if you're, you have like the best intentions, if you're doing it for a really niche audience, it's hard to get their attention. It's nice when you have, you know, 500, a thousand people, because that's a thousand people talking about it and getting it out to people. Uh, so I can see why these bigger events are kind of like much more general. Yeah. Finding that balance is really, really hard. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we're starting to see with the in-person events that we have done is that consideration of changes in attention and even easing people into certain experiences yeah. definitely becomes a part of the agenda design because even the meeting planners, when when they're talking about, you know, it's not a year over year agenda, it's like a year gap agenda of like 2019 agenda to 2022. I, I think that there's this very real sense that like, well, we can't expect people to be in the, the ballroom for four hours without- Finally. Yeah, exactly. It's like- without breaks. Cause they're like, they can't yeah. even imagine that. Like, it sounds awful, you know? And, and so maybe that's just like an ease in, but also maybe it's actually a disruption in which we look at some of those experiences altogether differently. I hope so. I I've seen a lot of industry events coming back. You know, you mm-hmm. see the, I haven't been to any, yeah. just the, you know, you see the pictures on social of different organizations who are bringing back their events one of the things I keep thinking is they just look like 2019. Yeah. Why? We've right. just been through this entire revolution. See, and attendee behavior has changed. The idea, I, I did a lot of speaking pre-2020 yeah. about, you know, no ballrooms, no eight-hour days, attendee-driven, yeah. you know, like these are concepts that shouldn't be new. But at this point, you really should be at a point where you're realizing, yeah, they don't want to sit in front of an hour to session where they're being talked to with tons of slides back Mm -hmm. to back to back with a slight little break. People don't go to events just to uh, some events. Let me clarify Yeah, just to soak in a ton of information in a boring ballroom. You know, they're there for an experience. They're there to meet other people, even your most like educational forward events where you're getting continuing education credits. There's so many things you could do to make those events better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of disappointing to see that some stuff is just going back to the way it was. Um, and for someone like me, who's been talking about like changing things for years now, mm-hmm. like this is, if you were going to have a shot at doing things differently, this would be the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now that things are disrupted, you've got more of a license to change things. Absolutely. You know? 
because otherwise the comparison is so recent before now it's not. And I do think that clearly when you look at things like we were talking about this with remote work, there's clearly an appetite for change, but there's also this tension between, you know, what seems like employer and employee and what each want in this new world. And um, I think that that's going to have an impact on events too, and an impact on even the feedback. If you do attempt to, to kind of do the event verbatim from a time gone by that it could feel like that. And your attendees could really have the preferences that we're seeing in, in choices around work locality or in work flexibility and things like that really manifest in their desires for event attendance as well. Yeah. I think it's going to really impact events. And I think, I think the hard reality is that people who go back to the way things were, unless with the few exceptions we talked about, it makes really good sense to do it the way it was being done. Um, But for those who go back, I think they're going to see declining attendance, poor feedback. And it's, it's one of those things like we used to always say the event planners who don't evolve will die. You will not be competitive. And so I think that's going to shake out. You can get away with it for a year or two or three. But, you know, when we talk about hybrid being the future, I don't even necessarily mean 2021. I think it's going to take a while, but I think strongly because of the attendee behavior shifts that we've seen in the last year and a half, it's going to have to go that way. And to your earlier point, 2020 didn't show us that attendees don't like four hours sitting in a ballroom. They already knew that. People who plan events already knew that, but they didn't care. And now your attendees are going to just, I think their habits have changed so much. They're just not going to put up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked earlier about, I, I've been seeing a lot of comments around people just going to an in-person event, but spending the entire event, not in the session because yeah. they're not going to sit through that. And they'd rather catch up with people they haven't met with and they need more kind of downtime, even the biggest extroverts are now used to being quiet and alone and may not want to be out and about networking and mingling for 12 hours of the day or more. And so you're seeing like a lot of people spending more time in their hotel rooms than they are in the ballrooms. And uh, I think that will speak to organizers over time. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, the different event types aren't necessarily good for the same things. And, and that sounds Absolutely. like an obvious statement. And I think most event planners would say, well, you've got to, you've got to base your event design on the outcome objectives for the event. But I think in addition to that, you also have to consider your entire event portfolio and what events are coming before or after, you know, when I think about virtual, I think it's, it's a great experience for mass distribution of information for accessibility. Anyone can get on it, you know, no matter location from most devices, if not any Mm -hmm. device, you know, and you can create this shared experience across all people in all times, wherever they're at to distribute information. I think that's why the quality of the production of these are, are changing so much. You even look at, you know, Apple's events over the years, and they've, they've really created a TV show now, rather than a developer theater that we used to sit in with the developers, you know? (laughs) And so I think that thinking about how we use these different event types in an all new way, where if you look at the whole, you can change the parts to equal, you know, that whole idea of gestalt changing that the, the whole is more than the sum of the parts. And so maybe you start your year with a virtual event that is really about communication, you know, mass dissemination of information, shorter form allows for some of that, but then 
how are you connecting people and what they really want? And maybe don't put them in a ballroom, just get them together Yeah. with different event types, you know? Yeah. That content is so accessible online. Yeah. And, you know, I think we will see, and that's why so many people are now talking about that year round community, community. year round access, because even though that's a, again, a topic that people have been talking about for 10 years, it's more achievable now because yeah. people are more likely to go online and access the content. I mean, the entire world has had a zoom one Oh one training. The capabilities are totally <laughs> your different. Grandparents, your grandchildren, like everybody knows how to use the technology and not just zoom, obviously, but a, a billion tools. And the technology has gotten better. And the technology has gotten dramatically better. So yeah. yeah, I think it's really about that overall event strategy and, and great organizations have been thinking about this for years and years, Yeah, but, you know, how do you use one event to feed into the next, to feed into the next and to use technology and tools to be the string between all of that. Maybe your yeah. all of your events are in person, but maybe you have these online places where they can connect with each other between in-person events and they can download some, you know, educational content and they can stream some cool clips from the last event. That's really where I think we're going is a hybrid strategy where some of your events might be fully virtual. Some might be fully in-person. Some may have those kind of ties, but the technology is the string that's helping people not do an event. It collapses. And then a year later, you build up to this big event again. You know, there's just, there's just way too much accessibility at this point. And people are, I mean, how many Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups are you in? People are used to balancing a lot of different things. They tune in to what they're interested in and they, you know, you don't have to be part of just like one thing because it's too stressful. This technology Mm -hmm. has made it so easy for you to just kind of like pick here and pick there and you get a little bit of what you want. And so I think that's, it's a huge missed opportunity for brands who are thinking like, we're going back to in-person only. We don't need all this technology. Yeah. Regardless of what your strategy is or what kind of event you work for. Yeah. So I'm curious if you had your druthers and kind of free reign and a corporate event planner or, or a corporate kind of uh, events director came to you and said, Hey, we want to, we want to rethink everything with our events. And we've got, you know, we've got a all company meeting. We've got an incentive trip. We've got regional meetings. We've got some networking events, call it a more typical portfolio of events. Sure. Hit me with some quick hit things of like what you would recommend. Sure. Well, I think the first thing I always talk about, and everyone talks about goals and objectives first, which yeah. makes sense. But I really, I really want to at the same time look at your attendees and designing everything for whoever it is your stakeholders are. So identifying all of your different stakeholders, because obviously all those different types of events have different audiences. Sure. And really understanding. And this is like, even if you knew them very well, it's all new again in the last year and a yeah, half. Where are they now? Yeah. Where are they? What yeah. do they want? What are they missing? What do they need? What are they willing to pay for? What are they willing to just participate in? Like, I'd totally go if it was free, but I'm not going to pay for that, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and really respecting their time. I mean, the one thing is with people being so digitally connected, they're tapped out too, you know, yeah. and I think. What I would most likely end up seeing, I think, is a big scaling back in terms of the number of events that we were doing. Yes. And a scaling up of the connection, the connectivity with our attendees to each other and with our brand to them, using technology as a string again to do that throughout the year. Um, but less physical touch points, whether that's a virtual event or an in person event, but less of these like big splashy things. 
and more about the frequency so that people are getting content consistently and they're connecting with your brand in a more meaningful way. I think, you know, a lot of corporations design based on their brand and what they want to achieve. Like we want to sell you this product. So it's going to look like this and, and that's great. But I think it's, you're forgetting that whole, like, who are you building this for really matters. And so I think when you look at that, a lot of things change, you know? And so obviously it's going to look different for every event and for every corporation that different events and it's all going to look a little bit different, but those would be some kind of like big things I would imagine would change just by looking at what that end user wants and how they want to experience it. I would imagine. And, you know, that doesn't mean your event budgets go away and you don't do event that, you know, obviously not what I'm saying, but just thinking more about how we curate these experiences for that target audience and make it more meaningful and make it more about the brand experience as compared to the sales or the, whatever the goal is that you have. Yeah. I think that's really rich. Um, and I think that, you know, as we'd mentioned there, there is some permission to, to change things, to think differently, even experiment in a sense, as long as it's, it's done in a way that involves the attendee, whether that's asking for their feedback in advance of it. You know, we've talked with some of our clients about creating a totally open system for event design that rather than saying, Hey, here's some things that we want to do. How do you feel about these attendees? Just saying, Hey, attendees, what do you want to do? And then starting to work back from that and design things with that in mind, whether that's the event itself, a series of events, a community built information and how they want to receive it. And I think that that's that will be, in my opinion, one of the challenges for organizations because some events have blurred the lines between, you know, a town hall or an advanced webinar, you know, a digital short summit to, mm-hmm. you know, these larger conferences. And when you want to try some of these new formats, there's lots of things required that weren't required before that feels more uncertain, that feels more new. And you've got to bring a lot of people along for that ride, whether it's your executive team, whether it's your attendees themselves. Yes. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the book Lean Startup, which is really about, you know, starting companies. Yeah. But I think it's very similar to what you're talking about. You understand your audience. And I think, you know, your audience is constantly telling you things about what they want and who they are. And without you having to survey them all the time, that's one little, like, stop asking them a billion questions. Right. But you learn about your audience, you put out what you think is the best thing that they're going to want, but it's the minimum viable product. It's the smallest, simplest thing that you can do. You get their feedback again, not only through surveys, but by watching their behavior. Look at how much data we get with the virtual um, and how much data you really can get with an in-person as well. Are they going to the sessions? Are they sitting through 10 minutes and then leaving? Are they doing this? Are they doing that? And then you tweak based on that and you build it a little bit bigger. And and I think a lot of longstanding corporations, their event strategies are going back to startup mode to your point. It's a time to rethink reinvent. And so to me, that's the best model. That would be a book I highly recommend to anyone, whether you work for a massive million dollar, billion dollar corporation, or you're just starting in events right now. I think that idea of iterating, allowing your attendees to like for our Taxi Talk Global Conference coming up, we have a whole segment of the agenda that is by attendees at the time. Like we're not going to know the topics until we've had three sessions 
And then our attendees are going to say, now that I've had those sessions, I want to talk about this and I want to talk about this. Yeah. And so then they'll be added to the agenda and they'll be led by whoever wants to talk about it. And so yeah. it'll be more about the conversations. I think that kind of format is more what we're going to see as well as compared to us saying, this is what the event looks like, come or not. Yep. I think we're also going to see, instead of us saying like, this is the content, so come we will use our attendees to be the drivers of what that exact content is. Maybe they become the speakers. Wouldn't that be great? So I think there's just so many ways that we can innovate. And it's really about going back to your point, to the drawing board, starting small, getting the feedback and kind of like building up over time. And I think if you compare what you're doing two years from now, it's going to look dramatically different from what you were doing if you build for your end user. Yeah. Yeah. And every response is a form of feedback. especially if you're able to look at it critically, you know, and we've, we've been doing webinars for a while, really to kind of build community, talk about best practices, but we've seen a drop off in the demand and desire to attend virtual webinars. I think it's just, it's either hit saturation, weather's nicer. You know, there's a lot of factors that's feedback. No, we didn't have to put out a survey to say, you know, do you guys yeah. want more webinars? It's like, well, you see the attendee uh, attendance and is it, is it the topics and content or is it uh, just the nature of a dynamic world that's constantly in flux? And I think your advice to think about your event approach as a startup is spot on. And I couldn't agree more. So I'm going to check out the book. Oh yes, please do. You'll really like it. Cool. Well, yeah. uh, we are at time and I've loved the conversation. I know we could keep going and I think that we should and in, in different capacities and in different events. And so I look yeah. forward to that. So thank you so much for joining us and, and sharing some of your expertise. Uh, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. And likewise, thank you for holding this space for conversations. It's really great. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Liz King Caruso. If you haven't already, please subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes of the Meetings and Events podcast, where I host thought leaders like Liz and discuss best practices related to meetings and events. In the meantime, we wish you all the best. Be well, seek good, and bye for now.